And our Father, it's so true that, Father, we want to be people that respond to that call, that command to worship you. We thank you that you are the one that gave it all. You gave your son's life. You, you have purchased us to be in fellowship with you. And Father, today to just think of all the things that you've done for us. You give us light. You give us hope. You give us life. And you restore, restore us to what you want us to be. And Father, because of that, you're worthy of our praise. So be with us today. Bless the time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. Well, church family, I want to I thank you. I mean, it's holiday weekend, and there's a good number of people that are with family or have gone somewhere else, but you've chosen today on a week, long weekend to come and be here. And my prayer or my hope is that as our time together has already been special, uh, now y'all... I'm going to tell you something, but I don't want you to do it, okay? And especially if you do it, don't let Priscilla say it. Uh, that djembe right there? Yeah, we do. We like djembe music. I mean, being in Africa for 28 years, I was just telling the worship team today, a lot of times we'd be in a village, and that's all you got. There's no guitar. There's nothing else. But I want you to know, good rhythm can stir up your heart. And uh, I was just with Priscilla. I mean, she kind of enjoys a little word. <laughs> Worship time. It's good to be with you today. <laughs> that was unexpected. So, um, one announcement, just to let you know, two weeks from today, we're going to do something special, and that is we're going to dedicate children. And so if you've got a little one, we've got several that uh, have recently come to be a part of the church, and we have some that may come before our time together, but on the 16th, we're going to set children aside. And we believe that that doesn't bring them into a personal relationship with God. You don't get saved by doing that. But we do believe to commit ourselves to walk with families. And so that's part of what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate kids uh, any age, little brand new baby ones and some that have never been set aside, been dedicated to the Lord. I want to invite you to consider doing that. And we're going to talk to the parents about their responsibility of raising them in the nurture, in the love, in the instruction of the Lord. And then we as a community of faith are going to commit ourselves to say we want to walk with these kids. And it's just a joy to walk with you all and see what we try to do as a church to invest in the lives of the next generation. And so Sunday the 16th, put that on your calendar. I'm looking forward to our time together for that. Well, I know some of you thought we'd never get here, but guess what? This is the last sermon in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and uh, it's the last two things that are stirring up in Paul's heart as he wants us to hear what goes on inside of him in a prison cell of how he can be at peace with life and be focused of what God wants for him. And so we get this longest sentence. And so today we're going to end it. So I want to ask you, I always enjoy us standing together for God's word. So if you would stand, but this is the longest sentence, I'm, one sentence I'm ever going to read to you because it's the longest sentence in the New Testament. But uh, I want to read it for us. I thought about having you read it with me, but it is so long. I think it just let me read it over us as a group. 
And we stand together telling God that we want His Word to speak to our hearts. We want to be submitted to what He has for us, and especially today. So, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3 through verse 14. And here's what Paul writes to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He's blessed us in the Beloved. And in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory, And in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we don't understand everything that Paul wants us to catch. But Father, we pray today you'd have freedom to speak to our hearts. Help us understand what it will be and what it is now for your glory to be praised, for you to be worshiped here in this place, in our hearts and beyond these walls. And Father, I pray that you'd have freedom to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. You all can be seated. This longest sentence starts with the word blessed. Blessed be that God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in Him with every spiritual blessing. We started with that word of what God wants to do is He wants to pour out His rich, His unmeasurable, His immense blessing. How He wants to fill our lives with things that we can't put in ourselves. So it starts with blessed. It's going to end today with glory. And I think we take this big, long sentence. It takes, you know, it takes time to read through that. You can condense it to just those two things. That we believe that there is a God who is a blesser. There's a creator, powerful God who knows us. And that he wants us to experience him. And experiencing him is That word being blessed, being enriched, being made happy, being made full. So that blessed glory, that revelation, that the making known 
of who he is and what he's like. I think that puts a big long sentence into two words. The blessed glory that we have. And so, we're just going to review again the seven rocket verbs, those seven things that only He can do. I started with the first one. He blesses. He chooses us in Him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters. He wants us in a family. He drenches us with His grace. There's so much. It's just, he, He picks, Paul picks two words. One, that angel word, that word drench. And in the second one, he lavishes that grace. So he drenches us and he lavishes on us something we can't get on our own. He's got to do it. And he's been faithful to do it. So blessing, choosing, predestining, drenching, lavishing, making known. And then adding it all together. Summing it up. Those were the seven things that we went through week by week by week of what God wants to do. And then last week, or two weeks ago, because Corey was last week, two weeks ago, I talked about the inheritance, where he talks to us about that we've obtained that inheritance because of our relationship with him. He wants, he's the giver, that is the verb, he gives an inheritance, and he wants us to understand, okay, we've got something as we're in a relationship with him, and now today, he's going to Nail it shut. So those seven verbs and these two things that God does, Paul finds that to be foundational for how he looks at life. And I've talked to us before. Just remember where he's at. He's in prison. And these things give him a reason to live with hope. And um, there's some of us that may have spent some time in jail in this room. I don't know. I had a, a few hours one night, uh, locked up, or I wasn't quite locked up, I was in the lobby, they didn't lock up a high school kid, uh, doing stupid stuff. But for Paul to be in a place where it's not easy to live, and it's so easy to be in a pity party, we just have the way he looks at life. And so, as we get to the last part, here's where it starts in verse 13, one more time. In him. Paul is convinced. This drives the man. That a relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing him. Being a part of living life with him. Or in him. He says that's it. I want you to understand that. In him. And now look at that next word. I like this part. Because it's getting personal. All the way, this whole sentence has been, we, us, we, us. God's done this for you, for us. But today, in verse 13, he changes it. He says, in him, you. Now, church family, uh, religion wasn't part of my life in high school, grade school and high school. And so... To think about that there's something more than just going to church and sitting there in the pew. Or I had some good friends that were Catholic people, Catholic folks. You know, they mass and then they'd be special times that they went. And, you know, all that religion that they were a part of. You know, it's good stuff. 
But Paul wants to take it a step deeper. He wants us to realize that this is, yes, us together, but he wants this to get personal. And so he's writing now, not to the church at Ephesus, not to all the other groups of people. He's now starting to write to you. And he says, in him you also. He's been there. He wants to tap you on the shoulder and say, in him, in him you also. You're going to experience this. When you heard the word of truth, that good news of your salvation, and you believed... Now, Paul's writing to the Ephesians church. There's been a lot of discussion about this. It's a closed group. He's writing to believers, people that have done this. He says, now, when you heard, you see, that's what didn't happen to me. Now, it could have been a good old, I loved her, Betty James. I think Betty's still alive. She's in her mid to late 90s now in a care home, doesn't have much of her memory back. But I've got great memories of sitting in a little Sunday school class in a basement over at Hoxie, Kansas, and Betty would try to help me understand the good news of what's in the Bible. But you want to know what I did? I'm coloring, I'm playing, I'm getting in trouble. And a whole lot of that is not getting much for than just going in this ear. Now, does it go out the other side? I don't know. It went somewhere, but it didn't stick. I really didn't hear it. In my heart. I didn't hear it to where I wanted to pay attention to it. Yeah, my, those little bones in my ear, they wiggled and my eardrums did their thing and it went through my brain. But I had not heard what Betty was trying to get me to hear. Now, I'd, I will say this. I'm grateful for Betty James. And just think, there's many of you in this church, I mean, I'm just looking out at you. I know there's people here that have invested in the lives of kids, and you're trying to give them good news and truth and insight about who God is. And we did that in Africa. I said, no, we went there, and I tried to learn their language so they could hear what's on my heart. I want you to hear it right here. I don't want it to go through a translator. So I'm going to work hard to learn that language so you get at least as close as I can get it from my heart to your ear to your heart. And so Paul's saying, church, we want to be listeners. We got to hear it. And while Betty did a good job, it didn't start until I began on that day in January a long time ago where I heard it. I mean, I went back to my dorm room, and I, I tell you, folks, I heard it. I heard several key things. I heard, first of all, that, yes, I knew there was a creator God, but I heard on that day that that God was a loving God. And not only a loving God, he proved that love by giving his son who died on the cross. And he demonstrated that love with the power of the resurrection. And when he came out of the grave, he defeated sin. I heard it on that day. Now, for me, hearing it and believing it was a pretty close gap. Now, we're all individuals. God knows every one of you personally. And some of you, your gap's a little bit further. You've heard it. In fact, I just recently talking to a guy, he says, I'm not ready yet. I'm hearing it. Yeah, I understand what you're talking to, but I don't believe. I'm not there. And so those are the two elements 
of our relationship with God. And Paul wants this personal. He's not saying, he says, the only way he connects up is the word also. I'm in here, I've done it myself. I heard him on the road to Damascus. I had letters in my pocket. I was going to go take Christians captive, maybe execute them, put them in jail, whatever he's going to do. But on that road, he heard it and he believed it. That's it. What we hear of the truth of God. And Paul defines it. He says that good news, that word of truth, that good news of your salvation, that good news of you in a relationship with Christ, you're hearing it and then you, you believe it. And so to end the sentence, isn't this a good way to end it? Where Paul's taken it, all those seven things that God did for us. Have you heard them? Do those make sense to you? That he, he, he's a blessing God. That he's a choosing God. That he's a destining God for a relationship, parent, child, a family relationship. That he's a drenching, he's a giving so much it takes two words, drench and lavish. And that he's a God who wants to make himself known. He's not hiding. He is making known to you. And he wants to add it all together. He's the one who's going to pull it together to give him. We're all going to worship him. Now, and that he's a giver of an inheritance. So those eight things, those seven verbs and that one thing, ask yourself, have I heard that? And then ask yourself, do you believe it? Do you believe those things? Paul says that's foundational. That's, that's where we're going to go. Do you hear it and understand it? And then that takes place in your own self, in your heart, in your head, where you say, yeah, I believe that. I, I want to believe that. Let me encourage you. I think it was Friday. Wasn't it Friday? I met with a guy in Topeka. There's a guy. I just love this guy. We got to know each other setting up chairs one night, or setting up tables for a, a women's meeting. And um, Tom's had some really... Big tra- he's the one guy that I go to his AA. He's been 17 years, and he still goes all the time to his AA meeting. So I get to go to his birthday. So 15, 16, 17, I've been there for his birthday party. Tom's still dealing with big stuff in his life. He's trying to quit smoking, and he's tr- he smoked all of his life. And so we had a good discussion about, John, I believe, but I don't believe. I, I believe that God wants me to, but, you know, I've just got too much will. I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I've gone so many days, but I, I can't do it. And I said, Tom, here's, we're going to talk about the word believe. Here's what I believe. I believe we start, it's like a relationship with God. And you said that you wanted to quit smoking for Him. Well, you know what? Why don't you quit? Why don't you just try to live life with him, not for him? You know, he's not somewhere well over there and you're trying to do something to make him happy. He's already died for you. What more can he do? He loves you the way you are. He knows the he knows what got you in there. You know, we've all got stories. You know, his stories of what got him into alcohol and what got him smoking smoking, that's a big story. And God knows that story. And God's with him. And Brought all that he brought to him. And you're, God's not going to be happier with him. Now, God has a purpose. 
God created us. He created our bodies the way we are. He says, John, don't eat so much. Lay off the sugar, will you, buddy? And not so much salt. And only take one donut instead of six. <laughs> okay, I've had that conversation. <laughs> so it's not a deal about him loving us more. It's a deal about walking with him. And I don't know if Tom had ever thought that before, but I'll tell you what. He said, you know, I never thought about that. Maybe something I try to do is try to walk with him while I'm dealing with this habit that I want, to, I want to see broken in my life. Believing is what a man who came to Jesus says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so, folks, I want to encourage you. Stay in the, stay in the journey. Because Paul says it. He says, you know, you've heard it, and now we're believing it. And yeah, I, I believe, I believe, I still want to believe more. And we're going to talk about that, that believing more in just a second. So, getting it personal, Paul's taking it from us and we to you. Just want to ask that question, where are you? If you haven't heard it, keep coming. Get in a life group. Get in places where you get to hear it. Spend time reading God's Word. You know, read the Bible. Read it every day. Try to hear what God has to say. And then ask yourself, am I believing what I'm hearing? So that foundational part, he says, in him you also, when you heard that word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believe in him, now we're back to verbs. You were sealed. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, this is a good word. We just, we've already sung about it uh, this morning because sealing something back when he wrote this, that is a, a piece of wax or some kind of a, uh, an item, wax is the common one, that you can put an impression in it and you seal it. It means ownership. Uh, I've seen letters back when we were in college. It was kind of a cool thing. You'd get some wax and you'd put melt wax on an envelope and then you'd put your initial or you'd put a symbol in that hot wax. And it's on the envelope and it's kind of special. And it means that you owned what's inside that letter. And so as Paul's thinking about his own life and he's thinking about all of you who have heard and believed... He says, now, folks, guess what? We have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so I did a little, a little word study on the word sealed, and guess what? It's in the Bible. The first place I found it, let me get my Bible. My, my iPad's too slow for this. first place I found it is in Matthew 27, 66, and we just sung about it. And here's what it says. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, now go and make that grave as secure as you can. And so they went and they made it secure by sealing it. They sealed the stone. Now folks, that's pretty serious. Uh, that's the mark of the government, of the Roman government. And those folks are not nice folks. You don't, you don't play around with Roman government because they execute people and they mean what they say. And so Pilate said, you put our seal on that rock. They 
probably had leather or some, something. They put the wax and then they sealed it and they sealed it shut. It's more than just rolling the stone in front of the grave. It's marking it that the government is watching over this place. And guess what happened? The God, the creator God <laughs> broke the seal. And that stone rolled away and out came Jesus. And so we know the Roman government, it can't seal. You know, you want to put your faith in that? Yeah, put your faith in the Roman government. Let it put their, put your faith in our government. You know, let's, you know, I got a little, little mark here that says it's going to be this way, you know. It's what are we putting our faith in? And so the Roman government didn't work. Now, the next place I found the word seal is kind of interesting. Revelation chapter 20. And guess who's dueling the sealing on this one? It's God himself. And so in Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, it says, And he, the Lord, sealed that dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and he bound him. And he bound him for a thousand years, and he threw him into the pit. He shut it, and he sealed it. Now, folks, let me ask you, do you think... You think Satan can come out of that one? Who do you think's got the power? I don't think so either. I think when he, he seals it shut, he seals it shut. And so church family, then we're not talking about being sealed shut. We're be, talking about being sealed in him with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I love Paul. Paul wasn't there. Where it starts, the promised Holy Spirit, Jesus talks to the disciples, all 12 of them, Judas gets in on it. In the Upper Room Discourse, chapter 14 through 16 in the book of John, we're not going to read it all. But in that part, Jesus is getting ready to die, and he says, listen, I am sent. It's better for me to die, guys. It's better. And they're saying, no, 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 no. They don't understand. He says, it's better. I promise it's better for me to die and go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who is going to be with you and he's going to counsel you. And so this sealed experience that we have in the Lord is that we get sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the first job that the whole I say first, one of the jobs, I don't know the order. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to counsel us. And so... What a gift to have the Holy Spirit mark his ownership on us and then come alongside of us and counsel us in the daily walk of life. Now you just stop and think about it. Here Paul's where it's cold, it's wet, there's no bathroom, you don't get a shower, your life's not good, and yet he says, you know, I've got the mark, I'm owned by the Lord, and I've got the Holy Spirit to counsel me, to walk with me, to change my attitude, to help me look at life His way. Uh, church family, this room is full of stories. There's all kinds of experiences going on right now. There's some good ones, but I'll guarantee you, I know in this room there's some bad ones. And I'm just here to tell you today that God's Word means what it says, that if you hear it and you believe it, then he's the one. You don't seal yourself. No, you can't do that. You can't take your little stamp and go, 
on yourself. Uh, that's not the way it works. The way it works is God is the one who marks you as his, his ownership on your life, and he gives you the Holy Spirit to counsel you. Secondly, not only are we locked up with ownership, he is a voice of adoption. Now, isn't it interesting that Paul says that God predestined us for adoption, and now look what he says in, in the book of Romans 8, 15, and 16. Chapter 8, 15, and 16, he says, For all who were led by the Spirit of God, there's that counseling, that leading, the Holy Spirit in our lives, all who are led are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No, you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I want to ask you, do you remember, can you remember maybe while you've been in worship, you've been singing something, or you were at a special event, Christmas, some kind of a special time, or just maybe you alone in your quiet time with your Bible. And you had that, set, that special sense that God really is close to you, and that you do want to cry back to Him and say, oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you that I get to know you. You didn't create that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. And one more time, we don't create this. This is a gift from Him to each one of us as a spirit of adoption in His family. Now, I talked to you about Tom and his life. I've told you a little bit about mine. Guess what? you got your own stuff. You've got background stuff that probably all of us in this room don't want people to know about. You've got, you know that what you did or what you thought was wrong and not what you wanted for yourself or what you want anybody else to know about. Well, that's true. But we have a spirit. Once you hear the good news of what Christ has done for us and you believe that, then we have a spirit who comes alongside of our, us in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our stuff, and say, I want you to know you're his child. You have been adopted into this family. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul says sealed him, and that's what he wants. He's Taking it personal, I want you to have it. So first, a spirit of count, the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, that word of adoption. Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit does something else to us. In Acts 1.8, as Jesus is talking to them, they said, you know, when's it gonna, when are we going to get the good stuff? When's it going to come? Restore the whole kingdom. It's going to be the way we want it. And in verse 7, he says, it's not for you to know the time or the season the Father's pit fixed by his own authority, but verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the uttermost part of the world. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is he gives us the power to talk about him. Now, 
None of us were there. We're not witnesses to see it. But you know what I believe witnessing is? Is I want to read what Jesus did. I try to witness to you a lot. I try to tell you what we have in Scripture, the story of what Jesus did. I think that's witnessing. I'm telling you what we got here. Remember the day I told you about when the four guys let Fred, the paralyzed guy, down in front of Jesus? I'm witnessing. I'm telling you the story of what happened. Then I'm also going to try to witness, and I've done that up here. I'm telling you what happened in my own experience. And according to the Bible, that's a gift to the Holy Spirit. That power to do that, the way to remember it, and where it makes sense, and we witness to His presence in our lives. Now, church family, I'm not going to be with you for a long time because that good old pastor church team, they're working hard at it. But uh, I want you to know that I believe every one of you are a witness. This is not something that the people staying up here do or those deacons or those church leaders that are sitting back there. This is for every one of us where we can tell our experience of the power of God, what he did to change my life, what he did to change your life, how you live with the stuff that you had, how you deal with that. That's why I enjoy getting together with Tom. I mean, Tom, my AA friend, we get together and I just love to hear how he's continuing to discover more and more of what God's doing in him and he's maturing, he's growing up. That's witnessing. Okay, he's our counselor. He gives us the spirit of adoption. He's, he gives us power to witness. And then finally, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. He gives us fruit. Can you believe that? We're marked by the Holy Spirit. And in that Holy Spirit, inside of every one of us who've heard and believed, He wants to grow fruit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, here's what He says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And none of those have a law against them. And so the presence of that marking, that ownership on your life is to change the way you look at life and the way you experience life and the way you interact with other people. And so growing in loving others, growing in loving God, growing in loving yourself, that's a gift. And it's the, it's the whisper of the counselor, the Holy Spirit that's coming alongside and growing that fruit in you. And church family, I really like the white hair in this church because the folks that have been walking with the Lord for 10, 20, 30 years, we, I mean, I get to see it. I get to see the evidence of fruit that's more mature. It's real. It's more consistent. I mentioned her name, but I want you to know today in 2018, I am really glad back in 1960 or 1961, good old Betty James had enough fruit in her heart that she was wanting to make known what she was excited about. And I missed it then, but guess what? I got it today. And so that love, that joy in prison, having joy. That peace in prison, having peace. That patience, how we treat one another. 
that goodness, that gentleness, that self-control, those fruits are coming through us. We're like a, a plant and the Holy Spirit's inside of us producing that fruit that's out there on the branches. So it's good to get to bump into you all and get to watch fruit and experience your fruit. Yeah, every now and then I see the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, come, come live at our house. There's both the good fruit, then you see some of that other stuff that's not supposed to be there that he's, he's refining out of us. And so the two things that I've already gotten to about the guarantee, but first of all, he says we're sealed in him. He says, we're sealed with that promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession. The guarantee is what I've been telling you about. The Holy Spirit, the guarantee, guarantees earnest money. Guarantee means that down payment. And so we've got the down payment. I'm talking to you about what that down payment is. It's His presence that gives us the fruit of the Spirit. It's His presence that Gives us power to witness. It's His presence that gives us a sense of adoption. It's His presence that gives us counseling. He walks with us, speaks to our hearts. Those are all that down payment. That, we're talking just down payment of what it's going to be when we see Him face to face, when we get into heaven where your inheritance is now your acquisition. You get it. Now, I want to appeal and just say, isn't it a good down payment? Good grief, living, the, living this life with the presence of the Holy Spirit, doing those four things that I talked about. Well, can you think about what it's going to be like to see him face to face? When we're past down payment, we're to the real deal, the full amount of what that inheritance is going to be. And so this last part of where Paul says, now you, you also, you that have heard and you believe, You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit who is our guarantee of what He's got for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I can only imagine living in prison and thinking about, is this worth it? Why in the world do I put up with all that I have to put up with? We get the answer right here. It's that big, long sentence that started with, I believe God's a blesser. And it ends now. We've got the seven verbs and the two actions. Those seven verbs, he blesses, he chooses, he destines for adoption, he drenches, he, he lavishes, he makes known, he wraps her up. He's a giver of an inheritance, and he's a sealer. He seals the deal with a deposit of the Holy Spirit. You can now draw a circle around it. That's what will carry you. I don't think there's anything else like this in the writing of Paul. I've been reading Romans in my quiet time right now, and I mean, you get the very same stuff he packed in to this one sentence, but he breaks it out, and he makes bigger points, and he talks about it more. But this is the condensed version. These words from chapter 1, verse 3, through verse 14, we get the package of what it is for God to come looking for you and what He wants to do, what He wants to give you. And so this morning, 
in closing, I want to ask you, are you a receiver? Everything I've talked, everything I've talked about is His work. I haven't talked to one of you about what you've got to do other than hear, and so that's a response, and believe, that's a response, that's not work. You respond to what's coming at you. And so, church family, how are we doing on our responses? Are you believing that God is the giving God that Paul wants us to hear? I want to ask you to stand. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, you know. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to pray, and I just want to ask you if you'd pray a lot. You listen to my words. I'm going to go kind of slow. I'm going to pray the way I pray. And I want to invite you, if it, if it resonates in your heart, just pray along. Just say it in your heart. Because what I want to do is I want to tell God that, first of all, I want to praise Him, thank Him. He did the work. I didn't. And I want to tell Him I want to grow. I want to know more. I want to hear more, and I want to believe more of what he's up to. And I invite you to join me. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we didn't make this up, that you gave us your voice speaking to us about a relationship with you. Father, I th- we thank you that you are a God who blesses us with the knowledge of your intention, of what you're up to. And Father, I agree with you that many days I don't believe, I doubt, I wonder, I hesitate. But Father, today I want to tell you that I believe and I want you to help me with my unbelief. I want to walk with you I want to discover more and more of the inheritance that you've given. And I want to understand and I want to walk with the counselor, the the word of adoption, the power to share about you, and the one who produces fruit. I want to walk with that spirit in a way that pleases you and that you can know. I want to be your son or your daughter. Father, we thank you that you're not hiding. We thank you that you speak to us in ways that we don't understand, but we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you today, that might have been the first time you ever prayed kind of like that agreeing with God that you haven't been there and you, you want to be there. This room's filled with people who did that. I've done it before. Today wasn't the first time at all. But if it was new for you, I'd, I'd like to talk to you because I'd like to get you started in a group or get some more help in that journey because it's a lifelong journey. And don't be out there by yourself. That's what the church is for. We're a bunch of believers that are trying to do this together as a family. And so, after I do the benediction, I'll be hanging out up here. If you want to talk to somebody, or there's older men there. we got deacons. They'll kind of be in the back if you know them. Just go up and say, hey, I want more. Can you help me? I just want more than what I've got. 
And so, church, benediction for today. It's out of 2 Corinthians. Good old Paul. Here's what he writes to us. He says, Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forever. Go be the church.